0: Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Dark Side of the Word, a weekly podcast for all the dark story lovers out there. I'm here with my ever-dedicated co-host, CJ. Hi, everybody. (laughs) As that delay is saying, (laughs) dedication is the word of the day.
1: Yes, your voice didn't drop down. I didn't expect to be cued in right there.
0: (laughs) This is actually our second start. I'm going to be honest. We're a little delusional. I have a migraine. CJ's under the weather. I'm just basically. Sort of. <laughs> it's
1: really all I can say.
0: <laughs> but dedication is the word of the night, and we are here to show up because we're showing up. And I have nothing else exciting to
1: say except we're yep, showing up. Yep, and here we are. Good for us. I mean, if you're going to be a
0: creative artist, isn't like the word and the key of the thing is that you just keep showing up? That's what they keep telling me. So we'll keep doing it well it's working miss i've written four books now there you go
1: just show up button seat just keep writing
0: (laughs) so we're button seat today and we're going to try to stay as sane as we can because it is the third thursday of the month which means that we are going to talk about an industry tropic or trend or some sort of writing technique an industry tropic
1: are we going to like south of the equator tropic did I not topic did I add an R in there I love it I love it I, we should do industry tropics and just go somewhere warm <laughs> and just tropical and just talk about publishing and writing all
0: right this take two Yeah. <laughs> <And> you, <laughs> all right so to get on a serious hmm. note well actually I forgot to ask my amazing how are you doing
1: oh I'm just ducky right just, now how about you <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, uh, I'm fine. I'm home alone. So if I pass out, pass you know, out. call my okay, partner. Okay, I will. <laughs> I will. <laughs> I have ex- made the family go get food tonight so I can record home alone in the middle of bumfuck nowhere. I think we've established that. I'm still in the bumfuck nowhere. Soon to not Yay! be anymore in the bumfuck nowhere. But I still am. So if I'm kidnapped or aliens come or can I pass talk out. talk about
1: the aliens. They the might end. hear you. We cannot talk about that. I don't even say the word we cannot read any books about those by the way those are just an automatic no on the dark book (laughs) list no uh-uh no abductions no visitations no fourth (laughs) kind-esque type books because i will never sleep again or go out into the world
0: so so i shouldn't tell you that my partner already no no
1: no whatever it is you shouldn't tell me you shouldn't tell anybody no one wants to know moving on what's our topic
0: (laughs) i can't i can't stop him You can't, so it happened Okay, so today's topic has been a conversation that CJ and I have been toying with for the last few months Kind of like as we see stuff pop up, side conversations, but it's essentially genres The word on everyone's lips right now is genres But more specifically, sub-genres And what I mean by that is romanticy. I'm sure you've heard that buzzword around cozy horrors. Another one that we've been seeing thrown around but what do these subgenres really mean for new writers out there? I personally don't feel that subgenres affect established authors because the industry will mold pretty much anything to me an author. I mean, if Stephen King wanted to write a fucking ro- tentacle romance book, <laughs> <laughs> it would I actually
1: think he would make a so. very good romance author because I read his memoir and he is all about the love for his wife and it is super, super sweet. So I think he could actually make a darn good romance book.
0: Okay, so then would you call it, that book actually a romance and not romance a Romance
1: horror. Ro-horror. Ro- Ro-horror. Ro- Ro-men-horror. Ro- 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 no. ro remorse? Ro- ro- Maybe ro- har- ro- har- romance. Harman. Harman,
0: Harmance. Okay, you heard Hor-man's. it here first. Har-man's. I love it. It
1: sounds like Horus, but like more evil. Okay, I think I'm a Harman's. A harman's, writer. writer. Oh my god, I love that. Wait, no, not a Horman. Harman. Harman.
0: Har. I know it sounds not whore, but we're gonna okay, go harmance, okay?
1: <laughs> Which is not an actual subgenre, everyone. Just to be uh-huh. clear, we just made that up on the spot. But romanticy no, I- is. <laughs> Well, I am going to
0: make Harman's a novel because, or a genre because I write Harman's. I think, I think
1: we're on to something and everybody's <laughs> going to know about it now. You heard it here first, for folks.
0: <laughs> okay, so the point is why I'm bringing up authors, established authors, is because I think that it's a great segue into the first question that I want to pose to the room, aka. Wait, can Ryan. I ask a
1: question first? I know, oh, I just God. threw you totally yes. off track. But, okay, so this whole romanticy thing. So I keep seeing it, and I usually see it in connection with Fourth Wing. I have not read Fourth Wing. What makes something romantic? Like, why is this qualifying right now as its own subgenre? Because isn't there usually romance and fantasy? I have read some fantasy novels, and there's usually romance. So what is it about Fourth Wing that makes it a Roman Roman fantasy? Not a Roman fantasy. We're not fantasizing about Romans. Romanticy. Is this our Roman
0: thing? Roman Empire. Is this Is our <laughs> Roman Empire? You know about that, We're correct? We're going to fall? No. Have you not heard about the, Ro- this is our Roman Empire? No. Okay. So there's a whole thing going around social media, probably a month or something ago, about how often men think about the Roman Empire. It's a lot. It's, 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 it's a lot. My husband talks about it all it's, the time. So that's his Roman Empire. It's a thing. So people start asking their husbands on social media and they would answer the truth. So now it's what is your Roman Empire? It's now a Like what a do keyword. I talk so about Roman all the time? See. Yeah, so it's your Roman food. Empire.
1: Food is my Roman Empire.
0: That's yeah, your Roman totally. Empire.
1: Totally. What is your Roman Empire? So oh, food.
0: <laughs> but yes, I see what you did there well,
1: with the Roman fantasy
0: so i guess your husband fell into the fold of roman empire my husband said never he rarely ever thinks about the roman
1: empire no he he loves history and he loves history podcasts and lots of like early ancient civilization type shows so he's always watching something um or listening to something that usually involves the roman empire before after he's reading something about the history of britain right now and then the (laughs) romans come in so he is definitely roman history guy now, back to your question about yes.
0: Fourth Wing and what makes it romantic. I don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> because there have been fantasy element romance in the romance section forever. Yeah. I've been handed tons of books where vampires yeah. are in it or witches and all this stuff. It has existed for a while.
1: I so we don't, I don't know, know. What's, what spurred this whole thing. And Well, I guess that's what we're going to talk okay. about today. Maybe one of us should have looked this up. <laughs> maybe it should have been me. Okay.
0: so which will go to my first mm-hmm. question? Are authors the ones shaping the new genre landscape, or is the publishing industry pushing them as uh, subgenres as a means to sell more books? So
1: my turn?: Okay, yes. so I think it's the author may be the one who could like create or generate a spark for a new subgenre but ultimately I think it's publishers who shape everything after that. It's publishers who decide to jump on a wagon and, and like ride the horses until they're dead basically. Cuz I think it like, gets very hard for authors to have any control over where the market goes, especially for debut authors. Like it's very rare for a debut author I think to launch a new subgenre cuz even though I had never heard of Rebecca Yarros, she's not a first-time publisher. Fourth Wing isn't her first book, right? Cuz I've seen other ones. I'd- I wanna say it's her don't no one quote me on this, I could be very wrong, but I wanna say it's her first traditionally published book. Oh, okay. Okay, interesting. Um so I guess Fourth Wing is like her big break into commercial success. But, you know, if she, even if she were, you know, a debut writer completely without anything self published, would she have been able to have Fourth Wing break into, you know, the publishing industry because it is a more subgenre area, it seems
0: it's such a weird thing I subgenres have never I guess they have existed partly in sci-fi realm because sci-fi itself is such a huge genre so like you would have you know, space operas are a mm. subgenre versus things that are sort of futuristic but still heavily rooted in reality like alternate timelines are considered sci-fi so say okay. uh, great example oh sorry Hitler won what is that a book <laughs> On the, Well, I think I have heard of a book before, like an alternate reality of like Hitler won World War II and now this is what the world looks Mm -hmm. like. And I think Man in the High Castle shows kind of mimicking that. So that's technically considered sci-fi. So alternate realities are something changed in history, but we're still very rooted in our own reality, like our Mm -hmm. own, you know, planet Earth, what we're used to. Those are also considered sci-fi. Technically time travel should be fantasy, but, you know. (laughs) So I guess in a way readers have made subgenres to just classify for themselves, but now subgenres are becoming more real genres. And part of me wonders around the Fourth Wing story is romance has been a massive seller, I would say, in the last handful mm-hmm. of years. This is what has gotten non-readers into the realm of reading. And I follow a very a huge podcast called The Toast. And they have a spinoff called The Redheads Book Club. And even Fourth Wing broke into their story and they read it oh, for wow. their book club. And it's very interesting how it does that. And it makes me wonder, because when I heard them talk about Fourth me on their podcast, they were talking very much of the smutness of it. It wasn't like, oh, the dragons are a side thing, but I'm reading it for the smut. I'm reading it for the romance aspect. So in their minds, they went very much into the ROM of it. And that's what broke them into the subgenre and got them reading a fantasy book is because of the ROM side of it. And so part of me wonders if the reason that it exploded so much is people were like, oh, it's a romance. With some fantasy, okay, so it's it's smutty fourth wing.
1: I yes. did not know oh, that. It was very, okay, now it's I understand why smutty. it's a romanticy because <laughs> yeah, I've read some other fantasy novels. I have romances, but nothing that's like I would call smutty. Just that people are falling yeah. in love. You know.
0: I mean, I would say it's not like the smuttiest of romance, but the love aspect in the story is very much a plot point. Which is what what romance Mm is. Even in whatever rankings of smuttiness there are, romance is a layer of about falling in love. And falling in love, I would say, was almost the sole... Outside of her trying to survive the school, her falling in love is probably the sole plot, practically. At least in book one. Book two, we start delving into more stories. But at least, even in book two, the love part of it is still the huge... One of two, probably, major plots in the entire book. So part of me wonders if they had done this as a way to maybe merge two readers Hmm. to get two different sects of people, which is why we're saying, okay, then it doesn't sound like publishers are the ones that are deciding on this because they can be like, ooh, if we call it romanticy, we can grab all these people that don't read fantasy because they're reading it for the romance, which is what I saw, bring it in. And then we see a whole bunch of fantasy readers because I feel that a lot of female fantasy readers still like the love I mean, A lot of these books have love in it Mm. still. We can bring them over here into a way more romance-based book. Interesting.
1: I mean, I feel like there's going to be a lot more romantic books out there now that there's there's been so much success with Fourth Wing. And like you said, it is going to bring in romance readers. It's going to bring in fantasy readers. It's like when when Harry Potter was published, it was bringing in readers from everywhere. People who didn't usually read Mm -hmm. were reading Harry Potter because it just appealed to so many people. And then how many books were there on, like, magical kids at a magical... School, private, or boarding school, there were a billion of them. It was everywhere. Now, if you have that idea, you can't even get somebody to look at your query letter because it's like over with Exactly.
0: With. I mean, one of the other things, and it's interesting that Fourth Wing is the one that broke it because if you would also consider Sarah J. Moss and all of her fairy mm-hmm. books, I would highly classify them as also romanticy because it is based in the fairy realm, but in Court of Thorns and Roses, it is mostly the most mostly it is a romance plot is it a smutty romance world is it a smutty romance
1: plot i feel like that's the defining feature
0: so one of her two famous series is smutty and should not be shelved in ya i've been told over and over really i think oh yeah and it's it's supposedly in a lot of bookstores it gets shelved in ya because she quote started as a ya author but it's extremely (laughs) x-rated it's kind of like when people shove Jay Kristoff's Never Night Series in the White. You're like, no. <laughs> Hell to the no. Uh, so I only read Court of Thorns and Roses, so I think it is her more watered down version. Okay, I think the other series, Gla- thorn- uh, Glass. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not know. I don't even know what that but stands for. A Court of Thorns oh, and Roses. Thank you. There ACATAR. you go. <laughs> but her other series is the one that I think is more dull, and I would also say that that is extremely romantic but she didn't break it into a fold Rebecca Yard yeah. did so I find that also interesting why now and is this a means did they see sales going down and so they saw this as a means to like mold the two to get more readers in or they're trying. Is this is this publisher's way of trying to bring mainstream readers to non-mainstay genres? Because I wouldn't call fantasy and sci-fi main, mainstream genres. I feel
1: like you're giving them just a little too much credit. I think it was just it was somebody like the marketing. What did you say? I, th- I think it's, it's marketing, marketing, but I think it also took off way more than people might have thought it would, and now it's just this big huge thing. You know, like when Harry, again, when Harry Potter came on, came out too, nobody expected a lot from it. Like, oh, a nice little book that might sell a decent number of copies. And then boom, it just hit the stratosphere. So I think now definitely publishers are plotting and agents are plotting and editors are plotting to get more of those types of readers to draw in those factors because they see what can happen. But when it was first, Mm -hmm. you know, represented by an agent, when it was first sold as a book to an editor, I don't know if they were that strategic about it.
0: I mean, one of the other ideas is that I think the landscape of readers has significantly changed due to book talk and Instagram and all of the things that are going on. And I believe that reading in a weird way has become mainstream again. Yay,
1: which I'm very happy about. And we
0: have a – I'm stoked. But I do feel like we have a lot of, like, newer readers into the Mm. fold and readers who maybe they read that one book. Say Fourth Wing is what brought them in. I think Fourth Wing is going to be our example. Yeah, Definitely. Say fourth thing brought them in. All right. And they don't know where to go from here. I've I'm the person. Okay. Side tangent. Funny okay. story. I'm the person. If I overhear a bookstore employee giving a recommendation to a, to a like, shopper, I will go to the shopper afterwards and completely. <laughs> it. And I did that in December. I was at Barnes Noble and the person was like, oh, you, sh- you want to get into fantasy. You should read this book. I won't put down the book.
1: You have to tell me what it is later, because I want to know.
0: Yeah. I don't want to, like, shit on the author, because I know a lot of people do like the book. I personally did not. And I go up to her, and I was like,
1: talk
0: (laughs) I was like, what do you like to read? And she's like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with Fourth Wing. I'm trying to get into all this reading. And she's definitely, like, maybe my age, maybe a little younger. And I was like, oh, then you want to read this series because it would have this aspect that you like and has this aspect that you like. And, you, have, you know, and so I was listing like all the reasons that in comparison that it was like fourth being. So you have all these new writers. So do our subgenres way for readers now to be guided into these. Like, Come on, who doesn't go to the sci-fi section and go, what the fuck? Where do I start? <laughs> right? That's why I avoid the and sci-fi so it's... section. It's just too overwhelming. <laughs> So are subgenres a way for people to start like weeding in through these massive genres to break in to start like reading more and to find the books they like that match like fourth wing or Is is this done by the readers to help us wade into what we like since there's such a wide range?
1: I mean, it definitely helps because if you like, like for me, I enjoy... It's not an official subgenre. I guess none of these are really official, but I like foodie fiction as a subgenre. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. if anybody's wondering what foodie fiction is, it's also called food lover fiction, food based fiction, food fiction, and it's basically any story that revolves either around or about food or uses food to just lure you into the story and a lot of the times they're found in women's fiction or romance novels or rom-coms and I wasn't a huge lover of rom-coms for a while but I started reading more of them because a lot of them had a foodie fiction aspect which I do love so it definitely did bring me more into the romance genre where I hadn't ever gone before because if they don't have food in it I won't really go to it.
0: So here we are with a marketing trend that is pulling mm-hmm. you in. So when I scroll through Goodreads or I'm scrolling through Pinterest or all these places, you know, all these book-related places, I'm now seeing, like, romanticity. Oh, you liked 4th wing, You want more romanticcy? Here are the dark romanticies that you want. So I'm seeing sub-gen- the subgenres as a way to, like, delve into what you like. Yeah. So the question is, are subgenres still marketing or are readers controlling it?
1: I mean, publishers control everything. They're just seeing what's oh. happening and then they're just putting out more of what they want to do and they're just going to ride the wave for as long as they can until they decide what the next big thing is going to be. Agreed.
0: But in a way, they're also providing readers with a security blanket.
1: Yes. I mean, it definitely benefits the readers and readers buying and reading the books is what help keeps things going. Because if no one's going to read them, the publishers aren't going to publish them.
0: The one thing I really don't, like about this that's like just popped in my head as an idea is that i f- and i see this trend a lot lately is that people are getting too stuck in what they like mm. though and they're not willing to take chances outside of it that's the one positive of not having entirely listed subgenres and fantasies you pick up a book because the title grabbed you the cover grabbed mm-hmm. you something grabbed you about it and you read it and you're like oh this is so different than what i've read yeah. But I'm going to break through because I am seeing a lot of people stick very much to the subgenres that they like. And and now we're getting, now we're narrowing. Mm-hmm. We're getting into this narrowing aspect of what's being bought and sold in the publishing world because readers are getting so narrowed and we're having less books break out into the excitement because they can't yeah. just blend in with all the other books. Because now, now we have to sell them in a subgenre, not just fantasy now. Now we have to yeah. nitpick our placement of books so that we can fit more into a box. And what
1: I don't love about subgenres is that they, I feel they become oversaturated super quickly. You know, one book is a huge hit, and then everybody wants to capitalize, capitalize on it, both writers and publishers. And as a result, you get a lot of subpar books published just to meet the demand of the readers and the publishers for anything in that genre, which makes it much harder for any actual good writers to break through because it's just, it's just oversaturated. And you miss out on a lot of good books.
0: You're coming to the huge point that I wanted to say as well, which is the fact that subgenres are kind of like trends. Yeah. A subgenre, is subgenre another word of saying like the vampire trend? Hmm. The, the fairy trend, you know, all these trends that people write or, you know, you said kids in magical schools, like all these trends are coming around or subgenre is just another version of it. I feel like it. And again, we, it can be. We can't write to that subgenre. So two points. One, we can't as new writers who are trying to break the industry write for a specific subgenre because, again, it's like yeah. trends. However, romanticism is still like romance. And there shouldn't be a stop to it. <laughs> like, if you want to write about a vampire who has love versus a pirate on a spaceship who has love, like you can't really like oversaturate that either, because love can always be in the well, book.
1: So people will.
0: So is that going to hinder? People
1: us? always want romance. People always want fantasy. So generally, mm-hmm. combining them together, I think, is okay. Like, I don't think romanticy is so much a trend as it could be just a subgenre, but I would say a trend is vampire romanticy or werewolf romanticy, like that more specific aspect of it. Because mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh my god, after Twilight, I can't get enough vampires, I can't get mm-hmm. enough nowhere else, and now no one wants to touch that stuff. Yeah. I see it
0: both ways. I see it as being. Big enough to stand on its own, as in a romance genre itself. But then I also see that it's becoming such a craze to read romanticy books that it's going to peter out and die, and then ruin it for everyone. Else.
1: Eventually, yeah, probably.
0: We're talking for all genres. For all we genres? Just, we we kind of fucking just got stuck on romanticy subgenre, <laughs> but there are so many subgenres out well, I there. I think
1: that well, one of the things <laughs> we're a horror podcast. Why didn't we? I don't know. Romant-y? I don't know. But I was thinking that. Okay, so I think that if some subgenres endure long enough and become big enough that they will become full-fledged genres or headings. If you look at magical realism, that started out as a very niche subgenre with you know, 100 Years of Solitude by Gabriel Garcia Marquez in the 1960s, and then there was another author you know, 20 or 30 years later called Isabel Allen. They wrote magical realism books, but they were some of the first. And now I see so many authors in that genre like Sarah Addison Allen or Heather Weber and then... Sarah Penner wrote The Lost Apothecary, and that has a bit of magical realism too. And that book is so mainstream now. So now a lot of literary agents are looking for magical realism, whereas 40, 50 years ago, no one was really touching it. So I
0: think there's two things we can take away with what you just said, combining with what was said earlier. One, if you're a fledgling writer who's trying to break into the industry, do not write for a specific subgenre. Because again, you don't know what the next book's going to be. The way that Romanticy just blew off the charts is the same way that Harry Potter just blew yeah. off the charts. The Twilight just blew off the charts your your book could be the next thing, however, we can also use subgenres as a way to help us market our book as we try to get published to to really pinpoint for querying agents to what book what or where a book can fit on the shelf like this is a mm-hmm. way to help our book be more sellable yeah sellable. So- Sellable or- marketable. <laughs>
1: I'm gonna go with a completely marketable. different word. Marketable. Mar- marketable? Sellability okay, and that. marketable. <laughs> and I agree. You know, when you're when you're seeing like a hot new trend or a subgenre taking off, it's really tempting to jump on that wagon because you're like, oh, I can write something really quick and can be a bestseller, blah, blah, blah. But you have to keep in mind that when you're writing and then revising your book, that can take up to a year. And then you have to query it and get, this is if you're a debut author, obviously. Then you have to query it and get a literary agent and an editor. All this can take a few years. So by the time that you either are pitching to editors or you have a book coming out, the whole trend could be over. So, if you're, what you want to write about touches upon a current industry trend, then that's great. You should go with it. If you can make it a little, like, tweak it a little bit to like, make it a little bit more timely, that's great too. But don't just go for that thing only and try and bank your career on that because it's probably not going to be holding up in the end. And another good
0: question that I had as well is. When you're shelving these, should we start shelving them based on their subgenres, or do we just keep them piled into romance? Like, where should Fourth Wing go? Should it be romance, or should it be fantasy?
1: I feel it should, well, not, I haven't read it, but I feel it should be fantasy. I feel like it has a lot of fantasy elements, from what I've heard, so I would yes. still call it fantasy. The
0: Dragon School with dra- Talking Dragons. Yeah,
1: to me, that that's fully fantasy. There just happens to be a strong romance subplot to it.
0: But it's interesting because, well, it's not a subplot. It is the it's plot. It is the
1: plot. Okay, that is interesting. It pretty
0: much fe- the The Dragon School feels like the subplot, and the romance feels like hmm. the plot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's so that's why, why there's romanticity then.
0: So I guess, in a way, booksellers could make end caps and tables ju- yeah. jumping together the subgenres and just leave the genres as they
1: are. Yeah, I guess... I mean, you walk into any story, you're going to be hit with the with the fourth wing and whatever the new book is right away. <laughs> you like dragons read this. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been to a Barnes and Noble or any kind of bookstore. There are no independent bookstores near me. That's why I can't actually go to them. Um, but it's been a while since I've been to a Barnes and Noble and I feel like there are a lot more feature tables or end caps or whatever now about subgenres. I'll see like Dark Academia, I'll see Cozy Harbor, I'll see those promoted. And then back in the, the stacks, I guess, will be all the other books in the in more open-ended genres, or the more traditional genres, not open-ended. Um, so I think a lot of people are embracing it. I'm a sucker for the curated tables. I like the curated tables, too. They're just fun.
0: And before we continue on with this podcast, I wanted to take a second and let you all know that today's episode is sponsored by a well-read tart. Are you tired of the book Hangover and wish that you could live in the story a little longer? Do you like to cook or bake? Well, it's time for you to check out A Well-Read Tart, the blog where you can read book reviews and find delicious recipes inspired by each story. Whether it's a decadent dessert or a scrumptious dinner, you'll be able to relive your favorite book all over again. Visit the blog to search for a recipe you'll love, then check out its corresponding book review, or you can read CJ's thoughts on that new bestseller you've been eyeing up, then click on the recipe inspired by the story. Either way, visit www.wellreadtart.com or our show notes and let a well-read tart inspire you in the kitchen and in the library. Also, today's podcast is sponsored by moi, me. I just wanted to tell you guys that developmental editing is a huge part of the book publishing process. It helps your story to be fully fleshed out, checks for story and character arcs, catches story errors that you may have missed, and polishes your story so that readers will rave about your plot. Many self-published writers skip this step because they don't understand how vital it is or the exorbitant prices turn them away. However, this is an important step that all traditionally published authors must go through and can't be skipped. I've reviewed many books for self-published authors that would have been amazing if they had been able to get their books developmentally edited, which is why I wanted to help this year. After developmentally editing for years, I've decided to make my services more affordable by starting them at $1,000. Full details of my services are available on my develop editing page on dark side of the word or use the link below in the show notes now i did we've talked so much about romantics
1: we did we did we kind of just took I over, over the whole episode <sighs> hasn't
0: romancy taken over the whole world it feels i mean i i feel force swing is the world's roman empire right? <laughs> However, I do know a few people that read fourth Wing, but like died out in the second. Yeah, book i heard a lot
1: of, of people who did that. And did That's continue. why I was so surprised. It did you not. Loved con-
0: it. it did not keep the mainstreamers. Mm. And I also found out it was five books, and I really gave up. Wow, five books in the series. I'm screaming. I, I'm fine with it. <laughs> I love it. I really love this. It's good. Then you have something to look forward to. <laughs> So, is take over the world, but we're a horror podcast, and I'm hoping that we have horror writers out there who need some advice. So, just for a second, I wanted to talk about horror shop genres. Not, not too long. I just wanted to, like, give an idea of a couple of them, just, just just so people get an idea. Like, as I'm sure we've probably already heard, you know, there's paranormal horror, psycho- psychological horror, sci-fi horror, occult horror, vampire horror, werewolf mm. horror, Survival horror, body part. I have this whole list that's like 30. There are 33 subgenres, yeah. this person. This Survivor
1: horror, that's a good one. Forgot I forgot about know. that. Southern Gothic. Southern Gothic. Yeah. <laughs> Victorian <laughs> Gothic. There's so many different places it can go. So, in my
0: opinion, when it comes to horror, okay, because we've got trigger warnings here in all of this, subgenres in horror help to keep readers away from things they cannot handle.
1: I would agree with that because I don't like survivalist horror, and I don't like like gore or slasher type horror for the most part. So yes, I know what to avoid when I see those types of sub- subgenres out there. Exactly.
0: Like if you are talking like slasher horror, I am probably more turned off from that. But if you tell me it's like there is a witchy mm, horror, yes, I am going to be like, oh read. yeah, oh yeah. yeah. So, unlike romanticy we've talked about. I think that horror zone genres are like movie ratings. <laughs> <laughs> they're like trigger warnings. The not guarantee that they're all not gonna be back. Even reading the Southern Book Hub's guide to Vampire's Lang, like Whoa. holy shit, the end of that, that is was like, That was intense. That was intense. Subgenre did not help with <clears throat> all of that. But I think that because horror can go so extreme, it helps with expanding it. Which okay, because there's such a wide breadth of subgenres in horror. And so many different things that we can shelve. Does this mean that there is a wide breadth to what can be considered horror? Oh,
1: yeah, definitely.
0: Okay. So is Praises horror? (laughs) That's a a trick
1: question. I I wouldn't call it horror.
0: Okay, hold on. To give our listeners who may be new to the podcast a clue, Praises is the book I'm querying right now. Yeah. I'm querying. And it is, I consider it sci-fi horror I
1: don't consider it horror What subgenre of horror though? Sci-fi horror But I see I I feel like it's more uh, Definitely sci-fi But I don't feel it's, it's Horror based
0: Okay Because your definition of horror is There was one that we read that was It had to have a certain psychological Like fear to it, correct? When you're reading it?
1: I guess so i don't know well the the book that we read we're reading this month the lone women book that's uh it's billed as horror but well it's yeah, yeah. good
0: <laughs> everyone stay tuned for uh the book club podcast i don't want I, I, wanna... I
1: won't go into it i won't go into it
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay because i'm saying here because we were talking we were talking about romanticity in the first half of this podcast right and the where should it be shelved because it's fantasy but I'm saying that the main plot is romance, mm-hmm. which is why it's romantic. So, sci fi horror, like, where, where do you draw the I line? I guess it has to
1: be spooky like, or creepy to me.
0: But that's your version of horror. Hmm. Right? Because technically, body horror, like a slasher, Michael, yeah. Mike Myers, right? Isn't that the Halloween guy? That is terror. Not spooky or creepy. And that
1: would be considered I would call terror terror horror as well.
0: Okay. What about certain level of blood and guts? Mm,
1: Depends on the context, I guess. I mean, because then you could call pretty much any book about a war horror as well. You know, instead of historical fiction or army stuff. I don't know. (laughs) I know.
0: I was just wondering because it's such a, you know, I know I totally threw into a trap. <laughs> I still don't. I still I think you. crazy. I, I highlighted though. it. I don't want to bill it as horror. Okay. Doesn't <laughs> listeners? W- where do you draw the line of horror? When would you want the tag, like the tag of horror, on a book? I want the readers' stance uh, readers' listeners' stance in this. Are we
1: waiting for them to, to answer right now?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my dog would like the <laughs> because, you know, our co-host, Dog, yes, is here. Our mascot.
1: He's warning me there's aliens. Shh, <laughs> oh, my God. Now that is true horror. The worst of all horror. Yeah. I'm
0: trying to see because I know they just said sci-fi. It contains elements of horror with the setting and technology typically found in science fiction. So there you go. Okay. No, she doesn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so i think that going back to our topic i think subgenres sometimes can still help people understand the content that they're reading because again i feel like if you read witchy horror, you're probably not going to go and have a mike myers slasher in it so it mm. makes you feel a little bit safer of what you're reading kind of like i just watched a horror movie and it was like listed comedy horror oh. And that gave me an ability to know that it's probably not going to go past a certain level, which it didn't. It was great. It gave me an ability to be like, okay, we're going to lean towards humor unless, mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, everyone's dying. But again, in that sense, was it the serial killer in the book, in the story that made it horror or was it the fact that it was bloody and guts? Because technically the movie itself wasn't really horror in my mm. aspect of horror, but they still considered it horror. So that's why it's just, yeah. you know. That's why I want the listeners to tell us what they think horror is. Where do they draw the line of horror? Is it just because it's gorier? Is it because it has, like, your definition a terror slash spooky slash hair-raising moments? Are we going to expand the genre to allow, you know, moi in?
1: Well, I think now that I'm querying, I'm, I'm querying my my women's fiction book, but I'm also keeping an eye out for literary agents through doing spooky things and horror speculative fiction magical realism for my next book and i'm seeing a lot of agents who want crossover type books that blend genres so i think there's room for praises i think there's room for lots of different books that are going into different subgenres and blending things together so that's that's good news for writing
0: yeah, and I think that's why we wanted to have this conversation today about industry trends is that subgenres have become a creature of their own now. This is something new. I would say is actually pretty new to the industry. We've had moments like you said of magical realism kind of coming out and filtering in, but we haven't had this knock in your face like this is a subgenre that we're, like just thrown into our faces like romanticy, cozy horror. Oh, isn't even cozy fantasy? I, I keep that's seeing cozy fantasy
1: definitely on agent lists. Like it's
0: becoming this massive thing that can also kind of feel overwhelming. Like, where does your book fit into all of this? Where, you know, how are we writing now? I honestly think this is changing the game of writing mm-hmm. and aging entirely. Like, I even am seeing this. But I, instead of being afraid of it, I'm getting excited because I'm seeing it as a way to really market my book in a better way than being like, oh, this is fantasy, but where is it going to shove on fantasy? Well, yeah. Oh, it's going to go sit next to the other, you know, cozy horrors or sci-fi horror or, you know... Yeah all this other stuff because it's kind of like comping titles it feels like another step of comping titles so I'm excited I'm not scared but I'm also not going to write to a subgenre or maybe it's a way to encourage people to spread their wings and really mesh the genres because what maybe genres have become too oversaturated in general and so the idea of writing like I mean honestly the I read a cozy horror uh, no sorry cozy fantasy book and I was like oh this isn't really like Really seen out in the world because so I read um, *Legends and Lattes*. Don't remember the author's name. <laughs> it's a cute famous, so Everyone should know what it is. Uh, and that was my first foray into cozy fantasy, and it was a very different kind of book than I would ever read before. And so it gives a chance to expand on the genres and actually bring more depth into the genres because they are getting a little stagnant. Like, I'm so tired of picking up yes. the same book. And just being like, oh, this is this is like every other five books I just yep. picked up. Oh, man goes on a quest. <laughs> okay, all right, I'm over the man go. What they call the MacGuffin? What do they call it? The, the 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 there's always that object everyone goes after. It's not it doesn't matter what the object is anymore. It's the object <laughs> that everyone goes after, and it's that's the point of every book. And there's a term for it, and it's just like, I'm tired. Yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> and so I think that subgenres are actually expanding people's minds mm-hmm. and allowing more breadth. Bre- into the genres that we can have unique books out there. Like, there's another series. Becky Chambers, I believe, wrote it. uh, A Long Way to an Angry Planet. I'm totally butchering the title. Do not It's like A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, I believe it was. And it's more of a slice of life into the idea of living in a spaceship. Yeah. And it feels like a slice of life book. And it gives a very different aspect to just the sci-fi genre in general. Okay. Interesting. So... Love them or hate them. I think that subgenres can be extremely helpful. Yeah,
1: definitely. When I was querying um, Deserted, I used women's fiction tiles as my comps. And I also put down foodie fiction not, and called them foodie fiction. I had it in quotation marks, like the genre of foodie fiction, um, as comps. And because that's, that's where it fit. And that's what I wanted it to be likened to. And know, like, as you said, that's where my book would go on a bookshelf with those types of books. So it's helpful. Yeah.
0: Yay! Anything else you want to share today, friends?
1: No, absolutely not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are subgenreed out today, but I want to remind our listeners that don't forget next episode of the month is going to be our book club, which is Lone Woman by Victor Laval. Don't forget that you can support us by buying our copy through our links in the show notes for Bookshop.org. There are affiliate links. By purchasing through them, you help us give give us a little kickback without any cost to you. So thank you so much if you'd like to purchase your book. But don't forget, you've got one more week until we blah blah, 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 release the podcast. Now we know Kay is not a drone because she went blah, blah, blah. Unless it's a drone program to go
1: blah, blah, blah.
0: It'll get there one day.
1: That Buffy bot
0: was pretty realistic. She
1: was, wasn't she? Spike certainly thought
0: so. Oh, Spike. Spike thank you for listening to the dark side of the word word, a podcast for all the dark story lovers if you're listening to us on YouTube then please subscribe and give this video a thumbs up we're also a podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and iHeart. Make sure to follow us and check out our weekly polls and questions if you're listening on Spotify. Remember the question, what is horror? Go answer it on Spotify or leave a comment in the YouTube. Anyway we'd also love a review. Leaving a review on our page is the equivalent of tipping your waiter. Thank you so much friends. Bye!